Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Clean Libertarian Podcast. This is episode number two. Um, if the sound quality sounds a little bit different, that's because I am actually sitting in my car um, up at the airport waiting to pick my wife up. She was on vacation in Florida and is flying in. So I figure what better time than now to sit down and ramble on about some of my uh, perspective and kind of get into this thing a little bit further. So here we go. But um, uh, the plan that I have for today's episode is more or less to paint a picture of what is going on with uh, the drug war, why I take the stance that I do that we need to shred all the legislation surrounding the uh, war on drugs, uh, and and just let the market kind of determine what's going on. Um, <clears throat> last week, I more or less kind of just freestyled it, didn't really have any kind of written agenda, and uh, I figured this week what I can do is kind of revisit some of my writings that I did, um, a while back and maybe we can, um, get a little bit of a better understanding and it doesn't sound like I'm freestyling and just (laughs) rambling on. So I'm actually going to kind of read some and delve into it a little bit more in certain areas. Um, so with that, I'm going to read from, um, this chapter I wrote called the spectacular failure of the nanny state. Here we go. All right. When discussing the actual depths of the damage that is done when the state attempts to fix the portion of the population who battles drug addiction, it's important to look at just how many U.S. citizens are being arrested for drug crimes. According to the FBI's Uniform Crime Statistics for 2017, an estimated 1,632,921 arrests were made for drug abuse violations. Of those 1.6 million arrests, not only do these individuals now have to be churned through an already saturated court system, but in the process, they will most assuredly incur lost wages, if not losing their jobs altogether, only to be met with a sentencing that will result in heavy fines, forced participation in in various levels of the rehabilitation industry that will require them to pay out of pocket for doctor or counselor visits as well as paying for their court-mandated drug screenings. First-time offenders will generally be offered probation or drug court, depending on the severity of their charges. Repeat offenders might get lucky and snag a plea deal for drug court. However, many addicts will wind up in prison. On top of the affirmation measures which result in forced payments from those unfortunate enough to get ensnared by this system, There's the ridiculous prices for services made available to inmates while incarcerated. Taking Oklahoma County Jail, for example, the second you're booked, any money you have on you has to go into the commissary system with $15 taken off the top for a tuberculosis test. A 15-minute phone call costs as much as $18.77. Now, if you're trying to coordinate legal representation and potential bail solutions with family outside, you'll be getting knocked over the head for each call you have to make. And heaven forbid you should need medical attention for any reason, because that will get docked from your account as well. It's easy to dismiss these scenarios, because as far as the general public is concerned, if you're in jail, then you obviously aren't deserving of any reasonable accommodations to fight for your freedoms. Regardless of the direction someone's sentencing takes, one thing is for sure, 
Uncle Sam wants his money. This entire empire of criminal justice is a costly endeavor. And while the general public wants those seemingly morally deficient drug addicts locked away for good, they certainly will make their displeasure known the second a politician suggests raising their taxes to compensate for progressive measures, upgrades in the penal system. That leaves only one person to pay the price, the addict. Don't get me wrong here, I'm not attempting to paint addicts in the light of being all-out victims. If they've aggressed towards someone else's property or person, they need to be held accountable for such actions. However, creating a system of mass incarceration for mental health issues and then sticking the individual you're trying to fix with the bill via force and coercion reads as anything but moral. This mentality is no different than someone stopping by your house and impounding your vehicle because you're overdue for an oil change, then forcing you to buy a vehicle from them that's in much worse condition than your previous one. It's utter insanity, as most bureaucratic state-sponsored solutions tend to be. Now, let's remove the obvious failure that's apparent in trying to bleed a turnip, and instead let's look at the drug court system. Drug court is sold as being the gold standard for true rehabilitation. The carrot on the string caveat to the addict being that if they can make it through the process, their charges will be wiped from their record. It requires individuals who agree to its conditions to attend various levels of outpatient rehabilitation, weekly random drug tests, intensive supervision, and ultimately forced participation to attending 12-step meetings. Now, what I'm about to say will come as a shock, but it needs to be said. The state got it right when they acknowledged the level of success that can be found in going through the 12-step process. They missed the mark completely in believing they can somehow court-mandate the level of rehabilitation needed in order for an addict to find a new way of life. The 12-step uh, process works through a voluntary participation and its process and principles. You simply cannot force someone to have a spiritual awakening. This has to be done organically. While there is some merit in simply being exposed to meetings before someone's ready to participate, it's ultimately the state acknowledging that they're powerless to address the underlying issue, and that this whole charade is simply the empire playing middleman and doing what it does best, extortion. So while shades of this modus operandi appear to be successful, the actual mechanism that works in the formula has nothing to do with what the state is offering. The drug war has raged on since Nixon declared a war on drugs in 1971. In the time since, then not only have had the state marked, uh, in the time since then, not only had the state marked untold amounts of individuals with felon, but it's cost an estimated one trillion dollars. In 48 years, we as a society are no closer to solving this never-ending war than we were when we first began. In fact, if you look at some of the low-brow maneuvers that law enforcement have utilized in the process, the waters become muddied as to what the end game actually is anymore, besides keeping impoverished communities under the thumb of authority and skimming money off the top. We saw CIA involvement with cocaine trafficking during the Reagan era, ATF involved and funneling firearms to various cartels during the Obama era, 
with the Fast and the Furious scandal. Civil asset forfeiture is now commonplace among most law enforcement agencies as a means to, of financial gain for resources under the guise of public safety, and assuredly other scandals throughout the years and at present that haven't yet made the headlines. And at what point can we call this dog and pony show what it actually is, or horrendously failed experiment at social control? And that's that's kind of that uh, that's that you know basis of what what I'm going for here, the um, the drug war as we uh, as as it currently stands is uh, it's a failed experiment, guys. It doesn't work. You know, if you look at what the state is saying, they're literally just pumping these people for money and sending them to a nonprofit organization. Twelve-step meetings do not cost money to participate in; they are free to anybody and everybody. You know, and you can lead a horse to water, right? But you can't make them drink. So, what we're doing is we're marking people with felons for having a mental illness, which. You know, at some point in time later on, we'll get into that. Uh, but I firmly believe alcoholism and drug addiction boils down to a mental illness. You know, um, and, and, you know, we're marking them as felon. They're not able to get a job uh, that, you know, is, is really, really great. I know I'm a felon myself. It's been difficult for me. I have been passed up for promotions. I have been looked over on applications and, and, and passed up on interviews because of that fact. And it sucks, man. I've never, I, I did not hurt anybody to get the charges that I got. My charge was for uh, attempting to obtain CDS by forgery. What that means is I forged a, a prescription to get pills that I paid for. I paid cash for and I got caught doing that, and that is a felony. And so, I, as a result, I just now got my voting rights back. I'm not able to legally own a firearm. I can't uh, get certain clearances. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a delivery driver, so going to the Air Force base is out for me. I can't even get on a military installation at some places because of that background. And the worst part of it is, is like, you know, at my daughter's school, they're... Uh, they got this volunteer stuff for, for dads. If, if you're a, uh, a dad and you have some time that you want to donate, you can come up there and volunteer and either help walk the halls, making sure that the, the school is secure. Nobody comes in and does anything stupid or even take them out on a uh, field trip, you know, kind of help with that. But in order to do that, you have to pass a background check and guess what? I can't. So because I bought some pills without a doctor's permission, didn't steal from anybody, literally just bought some pills without a doctor's permission. I can't even help out at my kid's school. It's fucked up, guys. Something here's got to change. Something here's got to change, and we need to wake up to the fact that the government isn't going to have a solution that doesn't cause more harm than good. Flat out. And uh, that's uh, that's that's pretty much it. So... That's what I wanted to address today. Um, I'm thinking next week we can either get into uh, some of the uh, aspects of individual liberty or maybe I can give a brief synopsis on the recovery process. Um, 
I've got about, I don't know, six, seven chapters here uh, we'll go through. And then I think after that, I'll start either dealing with uh, current events or having people come on uh, for interviews. But anyway, that's uh, that's it for this week. I'm sorry it's uh, so short, but, you know, I feel like I got the message across that I wanted to get across this week. And uh, it wasn't a whole lot of rambling. It was actually in a certain direction. So. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got a little bit out of that. And uh, let's have a discussion, man. Hit me up. Let me know what you think. Um, give me some feedback here. Uh, but anyways, that's all I got. I will uh, I will get another uh, episode out to you guys probably next weekend, maybe before then. We will see. But anyways, y'all have a great weekend. Have a great week. Keep that chin up. And uh, yeah, fight for liberty. I'll see you guys next time.